This podcast is brought to you by DIA, the trusted global neutral forum for healthcare product development professionals. DIA, driving insights to action. On January 22nd, 2021, Bloomberg News reported that 10 leading biopharma companies had funded a nonprofit organization to support the rollout of a cloud-based platform with the potential to transform how the biopharma industry communicates and exchanges information with health authorities worldwide. These companies are Amgen, Astellas, Bristol-Myers Squibb, GSK, Johnson & Johnson, Lilly, Pfizer, Roche, Sanofi, and Takeda. I am Alberto Grignolo, Editor-in-Chief of the IA Global Forum. This new organization is called Accumulus Synergy. Its Chief Executive Officer is Francisco Nogueira, who is here with us today to tell us what this is all about. Francisco, welcome. Thank you, Alberto. Thank you for having me. Let's begin with the big picture. The Accumulus website features a white paper that states, quote, it's long past time to play catch up. It's time for a moonshot, end of quote. So, what is Accumulus Synergy more specifically, and what moonshot is it aiming for? So Accumulus Synergy is a global health tech company um, that operates in the non-for-profit space. And our aim is to basically be at the intersection of where those who develop medicines and those who approve them can interact differently. So we're really excited about the work we're doing. And really, in particular, the amount of work that's been done around setting standards, the amount of work that's been done in terms of moving the processes forward. And there's been great work done by ICH and CDISC and many others in the industry. But what we've seen over the last, let's even say two decades, is that what we've done is taking a lot of energy and, and use a lot of energy to move from a very disparate paper paradigm to a much more consolidated paper paradigm through CTD. And I think that was a great step forward. We then saw another step forward or another watershed moment towards ECTD. And while those two movements were, I, I would say, significant and critical at the time when they happened, we are still seeing the paradigm for which we operate today as a very document-based exchange of information. So basically digitizing paper. And where we believe the future is, is around enabling digital data highways, you know, in a way that we promote real or close to real-time collaboration, that we provide tools that allow both sponsors of new medicines and those who review them a better platform, more data centricity in how they both submit, review, and approve new treatments. So if the moonshot succeeds and you do land on the moon, what does that landscape look like? Well, it, it'll be a really, really, I think, wonderful view, if you will. It'll be one where we leverage cloud technology, where we are clear that it has to have all the right security, cybersecurity, patient-level security, but also really enables all of us to look at things differently. Think about, for example, today, whether you're a developer of new medicine or a reviewer, you're basically working in reasonably static information. Imagine the landscape of what you'd see from the moon is a much more dynamic um, set of information that accompanies a narrative, a graph, a table, a figure, but all in what we're calling a single pane of glass. So we would be shifting from 
unstandardized paper to standardized paper to digital paper to a single pane of glass. And that view and that enabling of data to be much more dynamic and in a collaborative way excites me, excites our team, and we believe it'll be beneficial to patients all around the world. This all sounds very futuristic, and you've mentioned regulators. So let's get to regulators, because several regulatory bodies, including FDA and EMA, have stated their commitment to modernization and to the future. And although the approaches they are taking are tailored to their specific regulatory environments, in your view, what are some common areas of opportunity for improvement and investment? And it's been a really critical journey working both with FDA and EMA over the last year. Of course, I can't speak for them, but what I can see from our vantage point is that there's a critical and an aligned intent around the focus on cloud technology. There's continued and clear intent around making sure that security is paramount as we move into this new world, if you will, and also a heavy or high focus on data centricity. And what we're also seeing from agencies beyond FDA and EMA is the enthusiasm towards common review approaches where possible. And we're seeing that in areas like Orbis, Project Orbis for Oncology. We're seeing that in Access, where there's now, I believe, seven or eight countries looking at reviews in a collaborative fashion. Those commonalities make us really enthusiastic about what the possibilities are, where the future will take us in combination with new technologies. So do you envision multiple regulators looking at the same set of data at the same time in a collaborative way with each other and with the sponsor in question? In many ways, that's beginning to happen today. Where we believe the opportunity is, is in doing that more efficiently in a much more streamlined approach. We believe that providing the right platform, the right applications will allow even more of that to happen. We believe that the future is really around sponsored to multiple agencies. It's about agency to agency dialogue, but doing so in a way that doesn't create unintended inefficiencies along the way. Let me move to competition with your organization, potentially. Looking back at the 1980s, 1990s, we saw a lot of fragmentation in the early days of computer-assisted new drug applications, as they used to be called CANDAS back in the day. (laughs) Before the CTD, before the ECTD, delivered relatively common global standards for electronic submissions. So the question is, are there, or do you expect to see, organizations or groups competing with accumulative synergy in this space? And if so, do you expect that this may lead to fragmentation in this field? And would that be a good thing or a bad thing? So I don't see others competing with Accumulus in this space. And it's not because we believe that the space is not ripe for disruption. But keep in mind that we are a non-for-profit. And our mission and our vision is to dramatically accelerate critical therapies to citizens of the world. But we know and we're very clear-minded about this, is that we cannot do it alone. And we also know that change is difficult. And so our aim is really to deliver new ways of working that make the way we work today simplified and more streamlined. But we also recognize that that will need partners, will need collaborators, will need basically a village to bring this together. So we look at those in the ecosystem today those who may not have even entered the ecosystem today, 
really as partners and co-collaborators, not as competitors. Again, as a non-for-profit, our mission is clear. And in order for us to deliver on our mission, what I believe is also important to note is that we want to deliver value and value will drive engagement. We're not in a place to be sending mandates. We can't ask people to use our platform. There's no intent to create any sort of mandate, even if we could. We believe that we do this through driving value and value hopefully is realized and leveraged by the agencies, either in its entirety of the platform or portions of the platform that we deliver. We believe value will drive new sponsors to join our cause. And those sponsors could be large pharma, small pharma, generics, academic centers. We want to be open for business to all, but doing that under the auspice of value. You mentioned correctly that you're a nonprofit organization. I would note that your 10 backers are 10 of the largest pharmaceutical for-profit companies. So where does the nonprofit element come in? And could others who are not involved in backing Cumulus Synergy argue, well, no, we're not in the club. And so these folks and the backers of Cumulus Synergy are going to construct all of this and others will have to basically be sort of forced to use it, although you don't have a mandate to enforce, but basically you're setting up a framework that others may feel that we have no choice but use. So the 10 current sponsors are the initiating sponsors because an effort such as the one we're building is not easy, otherwise it would have been done already. And it does take a significant amount of resources and funding to get off the ground. But let me be clear, what we're building is not only for the 10 sponsors that sponsor us currently today. Our plan is that by 2023, we will be available, our platform, our applications, our new ways of working to anyone in the US, in Europe, in Asia, Africa, North America, South America, who are interested and who see the value in the work we do. And that really ultimately is any institution that collects data with the intent of a registrational approval. And so while we have current funders of this work, the intent and the vision is to really benefit patients around the world. Any institution who wants to be part of the work can and should hopefully join our cause. Francisco, let's move to the practicalities of what you are talking about with the Accumulus Synergy Group is all about. And firstly, again, a bit of a big picture. Change and disruption uh, are always hard, and they can take several years. What gives you confidence that this can actually happen in a relatively short term, defined short for us, if you would? Is it, is it one year? Is it 10 years? Is it 20 years? How confident so, are you that this can actually work? I and the leadership team and the board understand and recognize that we're in it for the long haul. Change takes time. We know how long ECTD has been in place and still how many challenges we've seen worldwide with adoption. It's just the dynamics of the world we operate in. However, we also believe that there's an opportunity to start showing value relatively quickly. We believe there's value in the next two to three years, in a five-year and in a seven-year longer-term horizon. And so while change is difficult, we're also tackling it, I believe, somewhat differently than has been attempted in the past. As we create new ways of working, we're not sitting in isolation in defining what we believe is the new approaches. We are co-collaborating with health authorities all around the world. We are sitting in brainstorming sessions with them 
not only about what are their priorities and where do they see the challenges, but also understanding what would make their workday more streamlined. How would that bring more efficiency to the way they work? And really listening carefully as we co-create a new approach, a new set of applications. Change is difficult. Change does take time. But change often is done through the lens of we'll create something and we'll go sell it to others and hopefully they'll buy into it. We believe that the buy-in happens at the point of opportunity identification and that the buy-in happens at the point of co-creation. And so we're co-creating as much as possible. We will continue to be as transparent as we possibly can. We have a goal into 2022 to basically share everything we have in terms of information of where we're going, what we're doing, the processes we're transforming, and doing all this in a place where we provide tools that have ease of use. And we're hoping that that as a combination makes a difficult change less difficult. The word collaboration emerges frequently in your answers, and that's that's clear. To what extent is the organization of 10 sponsors open to accepting more sponsors? If people out there say, oh, I want to be a part of it, I want to be at the design table, what is the current view from the organization about including others or inviting others? Those are discussions we're having within the executive leadership team and the board. And there's no closed-door approach from a board perspective and what we're really making sure that we do is deliver the first set of applications and platforms in a way that we can work in an agile fashion. And what I mean by that is sometimes if you have too big of an organization trying to tackle too many things at once, you lose focus. But what is important is we're having discussions with other companies beyond the 10 today as we speak about how and when and in what capacity they would join our organization and how they would help co-create the future. So it's work in progress, but we are not a closed system. You also mentioned that some changes, some implementations may happen in a relatively short term, couple of years. Can you perhaps give us an example of uh, something that would be a low-hanging fruit, something that could bear fruit in the next 12 to 24 months? Yes. Thank you for asking that. By this time next year, we will have two applications that we will be rolling out into the ecosystem by the end of the year, so into the 2023 year. And those are a new collaboration tool so that those who today submit submissions through Project Orbis would have a new platform for which they can share this simultaneous review process, if you will, and the ability for health authorities then to receive information in a somewhat similar fashion and then collaborate among themselves. We will also be releasing our first component of data exchange in the CMC space. So the ability to transmit CMC data in a very different way under what we're terming as a single pane of glass to agencies hopefully uh, around the world. Certainly, we're working closely with FDA and EMA, but MHRA and others as well. So our intent is to have two releases next year, one around collaboration, one around data exchange. And I take it that FDA, EMA, and the regulators participating in the Access Consortium are okay with the approach you just described? They're open to having their platforms used for this purpose, or to providing access to applications under those consortia? So we're working closely with the Orbis Health Authorities, and we're we're working closely with EMA. 
our intent is to then speak to the agencies who are also running access. Once we have the platform, is in a place that we can share and demonstrate some of the technology and some of the features and some of the ease of use. Francisco, let me move to workforce kinds of issues. They've been issues, but they're topics at least. The question is, will this new platform require new skills to fully leverage it? And if so, what are those new skills and will Accumulus play an active role in educating the workforce of tomorrow in connection with this platform? I see the platform we're building in associated applications not needing any special training from a purely technology perspective. I think if you can navigate a website, if you can navigate your internal tools within your organization, you shouldn't need any special skill, additional skills than what you have today. But what it will require, and I believe this is not new, but it will require all of us, even though there's a significant level of co-creation and collaboration, to be open to change. It will require some roles in place today to work differently, to think differently, to remove certain steps that are in place today for all the valid reasons, but which may not be necessary tomorrow. But our vision and our hope is that people will see this with enthusiasm with not additional need for training, but really just looking at this through an open mind as a new way of working. Let me now ask you about privacy in a couple of ways. ICH and other initiatives are beginning to change this, but the industry, the pharmaceutical industry, has historically been rather protective, some would even say secretive, about its intellectual property, its data, its ability to negotiate with individual regulators separately from other regulators. But your proposed platform calls for intense collaboration and fully transparent data sharing, if I understand you correctly, including sharing of intellectual property data and basically would eliminate the ability for sponsors to deal with one regulator at a time because all data would be shared with all regulators at the same time, if I get you correctly. So do you expect the industry to push back on this whole notion of total simultaneous cloud-based live data sharing? There's a bit to unpack there, Alberto. Long-term, if we were to be looking 10 years down, down the road, I don't think you're terribly off from what you just described. And I think that's ultimately where the industry is going to a great extent. Each agency needs to maintain its autonomy and decision for patients in its own territories. So that remains clear. But how we transmit information between sponsor and multiple agencies is changing dramatically. I want to make a point on your question that I believe Accumulus is not in the business of changing. We are not out to set new privacy or intellectual property data rights. We are not there to eliminate ability for sponsors as they choose to work between a sponsor and a regulator. What our technology will provide is the ability for a sponsor to work with as many regulators as that sponsor chooses to in a much more streamlined fashion. But ultimately, the business rules are owned by those of the sponsor and their manufacturing capacities, ability to deal with the global questions, etc. We will enable the platform, we will enable the, the know-how and the technology, but ultimately, the business rules remain with the business. Thank you. And the second aspect of privacy that I wanted to touch on is from the standpoint of the patient, patient privacy in particular. As we all know, different regions, different countries have different standards for protecting the privacy of patients. So the question is, does your platform address how sponsors can deal with this heterogeneity in practice? 
in a global cloud-based environment. We have done an in-depth analysis of both a challenge and a critical need around the world. And what we found is about 1,500 different requirements across all regions. Because what we want to do is make sure that we set our platform to meet the requirements of all regions. As I mentioned to you, our vision is to dramatically accelerate medicines to citizens of the world. So citizens of the world is everywhere. And as we build the technology, as we build the platform, our intent is to meet all the patient level requirements of every region of the world. We believe we have a plan for that. We believe we have the right partners to get there. And we also believe that it's paramount to our success. This is the end of part one. Please join us as we continue the conversation with Francisco in part two. For DIA Global Forum, I am Alberto Grignolo. To learn more about this topic, visit us online at diaglobal.org.